Hello everyone, welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. In this episode I will be talking about the documentary miniseries Alan V. Farrow. Um, I was going to make this a, a, a movie corner type thing, but I was taking so many notes and I had a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. So I decided to make it its own episode. I don't. What is this? A mini sode? Uh, a a bonus episode? I don't know. I'm not considering it a main episode. I'm considering it like episode twenty four point five. I I don't have a movie corner this week because this is essentially the only thing I've watched. But before I begin, I want to tell a short story about this morning. Um, a, a month or so ago, I was taking my parents to the casino w- once a week for about a month because they had they got a deal. Every now and then, the casino sends you deals for uh, incentives to come over to the casino, so you can in hopes that you'll lose more money. I mean, it's kind of it's not really a scheme because everyone willingly loses their money. I mean, they don't want to, but they do. And no one's forcing you to lose your money. You you just do it. So they had this deal where they get a $20 weekly food credit, and they also get a free gift once every week. So we would go down there, and I never have money, but my parents are like, well... I'm driving them down there. It's, you know, 40, 45 minute drive. And they give me some money to play. Not a lot, you know, all, you know, like 40 or 60 each time, each trip. And I would lose a lot of money, all of it, all the time. And and then sometimes I'd, I'd see my mom and she'd give me more money, 20 40 whatever so last month over the course of a month i lost like 40 or 400 500 probably 400 plus dollars at that casino terrible of course in a time when none of us have any money but then the casino realizes oh this loser has been losing a lot of money so we should send him some incentive to come back so I get the mailer in the mail saying, hey, here's your incentive. Like, I really, I guess I lost a lot of money because they were like, here's a $20 weekly food credit. Every every few days, here's a $25 uh, more play in the slot machine. You get a two free buffet twice this month. I actually thought it was two free buffets and I can only use it one at a time. But no, it's two free buffets twice. So me and my wife went and um, we we ate for free. And it's like a $109 bill and it was free. It was pretty sweet. And we're going to do it again in a few weeks. That's not the story. Let me get to the story. The story was this morning. I took VTO at my work, which is voluntary time off. And I went to the casino because it's not too far from my work. And I was in line to get food because I have the weekly food credit. So I was lined to get food. There's an old man, old, large man. I'll say like maybe six, six, one, two, fifteen pounds, 55-ish, um, short hair, gray hair. And I thought he was weird. I think most people are weird. I think everyone's weird. But this guy, this guy's particular weirdness was that he couldn't stand still. So it almost felt like he was dancing a little bit. He kept like drumming on his stomach. I should have asked him about his stomach drumming. Maybe we could have bonded, but I didn't. And he's like kind of snapping. I'm like, what the fuck is going on over here? 
he has his i guess there's a free gift going on so he has his free gift on the floor he's like kicking it along as the line slowly moves up i i have my mask on masks are not currently mandatory in the casino but i have my mask on he does not have a mask i'm trying to do my best to avoid eye contact look away when his face kind of turns towards mine because I don't want anyone to speak to me ever. And then all of a sudden he turns to me and this these are his first words out of his mouth to me. As, as if we had been speaking for 20 minutes prior. No, these are the first words he says to me. So like, do you live down in blah, blah, blah city? I don't want to say the city, but. I was like, no. And he's like, oh, because my girlfriend dropped me off earlier and she left early. And I, I got to get back. I wonder how how much is a cab to get down there? Um, is pro- Do you know where that other casino is? I'm like, no. He's like, oh, I... It's probably like an hour, an hour away. Hmm. Got to figure out how to get down there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this wouldn't have affected most people. I thought it was very weird. Uh, This guy was trying to get me to give him a ride. Like an hour away. Well, if I live in the same city, uh, it's no problem, I guess. I'm a complete stranger. I could be a serial killer. You could be a serial killer. Like, I, I, is this normal? Is this okay? Um, he's a fifty-five-ish, sixty-year-old man. I'm in my teens times two. Um, I'm in my thirties. I, I don't know. I just, I don't want to interact with anyone ever. But I don't want to be um, pressured into giving people rides just to be nice. What if I was a woman, you know? I haven't listened to My Favorite Murder in a decade, but it's true what they say. Fuck politeness. Like, I thought it was very weird. At the same time, he could have just been a nice, normal man who needed a ride home but i got a side on the air of don't risk it i don't want to risk it i just thought it was a weird encounter um fortunately he did not speak to me after that he gotten he got to the front of the line ordered his food and jetted out of there and i did the same what a freak anyway on to alan v merrill uh, Alan V. Farrow. I was thinking of Mia Farrow. So first of all, how I got onto this documentary is last episode I talked about Rosemary's Baby. Um, I and I watched Rosemary's Baby because I was watching Cursed Films, and Cursed Films did an episode on Rosemary's Baby. I have heard Mia Farrow's name. 80 billion times in conjunction with Woody Allen and the controversy, but I've never seen any of her movies. I've, uh, I've never looked up her face. So Rosemary's baby, 1968 was my first exposure to her, to her. I don't know what it is. It weird to say to her essence, to her presence, to her soul, to her spirit, to her face, And as I said in last episode, it's hard not to fall in love with Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby because she's beautiful, she's bubbly in the movie, she's a great actress in the movie, it's a great performance, it's a really great, well-made movie, and you, you can't help but like her a lot after watching that movie. She was like 22, 23, um, and... And then I was saying in the last episode that it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate for everyone involved um, that she has, 
she's a part of this controversy. Um, it, it's kind of like what from we'll see on how Pat Walsh says someone someone was calling him a racist on Twitter one time, and he wanted to respond, but if you respond, you're going to be associated with racism, even though he's not racist, but he's responding to someone accusing him of racism. So Mia Farrow is unfortunately involved in this controversy, and that's going to be forever part of her legacy. And I was bummed out because I was like, I wish it would have been like a clean slate where everyone would remember, will think of her and remember her just for her performances in her movies. But we have this garbled uh, controversy to consider. So I, I'm just as I did in, with Ann Archer, I was like Googling her. I was searching her name on Amazon, seeing what else movies I can watch. And one of the things that first popped up was the documentary Alan V. Farrow, and it's on HBO Max. Four episodes, about an hour each. And um, I was like, you know, before I continued, before I go on this Mia Farrow journey and watch a bunch of her movies, and before I fall in love with her further, and I mean, I mean that like euphemistically, I'm not a freak. I was just like, let me rip this off like a band-aid. Let me watch this because it's going to be a bummer no matter what. Let me watch this documentary, rip it off like a band-aid, and then go on the Mia Farrow and watch more of her movies. And I was surprised to see that it was very recent. It came out last year, 2021. And so first thing that you're going to have to grapple with with this documentary is that Woody Allen does not appear in the documentary just as Mia Farrow does and Dylan Farrow does and Ronan Farrow. A lot of the Farrow family and family friends appear in the documentary and Woody Allen does not. Sunni Previn does not. Moses Farrow does not. So that's something that's everyone's going to have to grapple with um, with this movie. And that's unfortunate. And the, the whole affair, the whole four episodes, is unfortunately uh, he said, she said, fiasco. It's, it's very frustrating. I mean, this whole... I was thinking about this documentary last night, and it's very frustrating. It's it's very much a bummer to think about, and um, because there there's not really a resolution, and it's just a he said she said thing, and so let me let me go through the. There's a wiki page, and you know there's a plot summary. I want to go through some of the comments on this Wikipedia page. Well, actually, first off, I need to disclaim that, believe it or not, folks, I have no ties with neither Woody Allen nor Mia Farrow nor the Farrow family, so what I say or think on the matter does not matter. Um, What I say or think has no bearing on neither Woody Allen nor Mia Farrow. So, I mean... It's interesting and it's it's interesting to think about and talk about, but what I say or think, it does not matter. I'm just a loser with a $99 microphone speaking out of it at his asshole. I just want to make, I mean, everyone knows that, but I want to make that clear right off the bat. Um, so looking at the Wikipedia page, Here's the Allen and Previn statement. These documentarians have no interest in the truth. Instead, they spent years surreptitiously collaborating with the pharaohs and their enablers to put together a hatchet job riddled with falsehoods. Woody and Sunni were approached less than two months ago and given only a matter of days to respond. Of course, they declined to do so. 
As has been known for decades, these allegations are categorically false. Multiple agencies investigated them at the time and found that whatever Dylan Farrow may have been led to believe, absolutely no abuse had ever taken place. It is sadly unsurprising that the network to air this is HBO, which has a standing production deal and business relationship with Ronan Farrow. While this shoddy hit piece may gain attention, it does not change the facts. <clears throat> Producer Amy Hurdy disputed Allen's claim regarding the timing of the filmmaker's contact with Allen. She responded that she reached out to Allen's publicist, Leslie Dart. In 2018, and received no reply. She said, I know they got my request because I was able to get an assistant on the phone saying, you are getting my emails, right? And she said, yes, but they never responded. So again, even even little minute details like this, Alan and Previn's statement and um, reaching out, it's again, it's a he said, she said scenario. Everything is a he said, she said scenario, which is frustrating. Um criticism of one-sidedness Hadley Freeman in The Guardian commented that the documentary sets itself up as an investigation but much more resembles PR as biased and partial as political that was my Amazon notification sound resembles PR as biased and partial as political candidates candidates advert vilifying an opponent in election season Um, the, at right at the top, the series shows Alan in a harsh light and omits facts, witnesses, and evidence supporting his claims of innocence, leading some commentators to call it one-sided. Alan denounced the series, which he accused of perpetuating falsehoods. So, let me get to how I felt about the documentary. I I did not like the documentary. <clears throat> I found it very frustrating. Um, I found it very infuriating. And before I kind of begin with the huge chunk of it all, let me make it clear. I don't really have a dog in this fight. You know, um, Woody Allen has made, what, 80 billion films? I think I've seen three or four. I know for sure I've seen Annie Hall. I liked it. I saw Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I liked it. I saw Midnight in Paris. I did not like it. I don't know if I've seen any of any other of his films. Mia Farrow... The only exposure, like I said, is Rosemary's Baby, and I liked her a lot in it. As a performer, I don't know anything about the woman. And so I I don't really have a dog in this fight. And if I had to choose prior to watching the doc, I would say I would side with Mia Farrow just because I liked her performance in Rosemary's Baby, and I, I liked her performance, I liked her... But that's the only thing I'm going by. That ha- that has nothing to do with Mia Farrow the person or Woody Allen the person. L- I mean, I'm talking about liking Mia Farrow's performance in Rosemary's Baby. So technically speaking, I don't really have a dog in this fight. They're just two uh, people in the Hollywood uh, system who got caught up in this controversy allegations thrown left and right and who knows who's telling the truth so i'm just i just wanted to be clear that i'm not some huge woody allen fan or woody allen defender or anything like that i've seen three three four movies that i know of and i liked two of them so the first episode i was trying to you know get a feel of what they were the story they're trying to tell and um they're they start they give a kind of a a tease of what's to come and they're like you know woody allen started um telling dylan farrow to suck his thumb i'm like all right that's not great that's weird 
someone saw it. That's weird. He started focusing on Dylan Farrow and was very affectionate, very um, intense affection. Uh, okay, a little weird, a little weird. By episode two, I was... Is incensed a word? I'm going to look up incensed. Not incense. Incensed? Um... Yeah, to arouse the extreme anger or indignation of incensed. Well, by episode two, I was angry. By episode three, I was incensed. Um, I, the, all right, so the thing that kind of ticked me off a little bit, and I think it's episode two, There was a a lady, I don't know if she's a film critic or a writer. You know, there's a bunch of people in the dock. And something she said kind of made me a little upset. Was She said that he was grooming his audience, grooming the viewers of his movies into thinking that it's okay for an older man to have a relationship with a younger woman. And I thought the way she put it was very upsetting because... He's making movies. Um, he has a point of view. He He's a talented writer and director, and he's creating fictional characters. He's creating fictional fantasy stories. And by most accounts, he's very talented. His movies are praised and have been praised for decades. So you can watch them or you or not. You can choose to watch them or not, but to call to refer to it as grooming. I mean, he's not he's not really pressuring or putting you up to it. He's making movies. You can watch them or not. Like, well, I don't understand how that's considered grooming. And her use of the word grooming was the first tip of the iceberg. Like, okay, I don't I don't like where this is going. And the most egregious part of the doc, I think it was episode two. This is what I, this is the tipping point for me. It was episode two, I believe. They dedicate a huge chunk of episode two. So this guy, again, I don't know his name or relevancy. He was like, we went through all of his unrealized projects. And it was almost like an assembly line where all the stories are about an older man living with a young woman, a 17-year-old gorgeous woman, an 18-year-old woman. Um, It's project after project. Old man living with 18-year-old woman. Old man living with 18... On the one hand, I don't understand what they were trying to say by showing us this and telling us this. But on the other hand, I, I do. They're, they're trying to imply that he is somehow a bad guy or he is somehow guilty because he wrote projects where there's an old man living with a young woman. Somehow, him, his writing notes about this stuff makes him guilty. I, I really hated that part of the documentary. That was my turning point. And I, that's when I thought, this is a bad documentary. This is not good. That whole angle. I mean, he's a, he's an established writer, director, actor. He has an opinion. He has opinions. He has experiences. He has point of views. He is writing fictional characters and fictional stories, fictional movies, and somehow that's supposed to mean he's guilty. I I really hated that angle. Um, I started to think like, so the writer director of Captain Marvel really believes in aliens really believes that there's a 
a cat that swallowed that is an octopus cat what the fuck are we doing like i again i i was angry i was incensed by that angle and i i just thought it was very dumb like i couldn't believe that that was included like somehow his movies are evidence that he's a bad person and and i'm sorry i don't want to be i don't want to devolve or become grosser whatever crass but there's a there's comments and jokes and stories and psychology behind men wanting to be with younger women i mean that's like that's psychology um it reminds me of mark marin i think mark marin has a joke of course we want to fuck high school girls that's why there are laws i think that's his joke um leonardo dicaprio keeps getting older and his girlfriends are always 24 25 and is there a difference between 18 and 24 25 uh, yes a difference about eight or nine years but 18 and up is adulthood and i mean it's just it's kind of common sense like even me and my age would i want to hook up with an 18 9 year old girl female adult yes um as opposed to the hag of a wife that i have now um it's just i feel like it's just psychology and it's a part of life and when if you want to write a realistic story it's a part of getting older i imagine a 57 year old man is not fantasizing about 60 year old women you know what i mean um i just i i think that's i mean it's not i'm i'm not saying it's a good thing i'm saying it's kind of a true thing i mean you you see old guy old rich guys hooking up with young women it's it's a thing and for him to establish a career of writing movies and characters that that it happens in a way he is writing um, a fantasy and he's kind of living his fantasies through these movies but i don't think that makes him guilty um uh, I, and i don't think it implies guilt at even i i i know the angle they were going for but i don't agree with it at all like not even a little bit i really hated that part of the doc and so that was like episode two so by the end of episode two and by the time i got to episode three i feel like i was already angry at the documentary and almost as if i had already made up my mind so that's not that for me at least for me that's a sign of a bad documentary because you have me turning against a documentary by the time i got to episode three because you're inserting annoying things into this doc and you know the whole thing is super super biased and one-sided which is unfortunate and i feel like mia farrow and dylan farrow should have the chance to express their stories but i wish that they had gotten a hold or i wish it had been in the hands of more competent documentary filmmakers because I feel like the filmmakers did. I feel like the documentary was kind of inept at times. Just um, like I said, by the time I get to episode three, I'm like, I almost don't want to agree with anything you offer up at this point because you made me angry. You made me annoyed and anything you offer up, anything you say, my mind's already going to challenge it because you upset me. Episode three starts with heavy narration. There hadn't been any narration 
throughout episode one or two. So episode three begins with heavy narration that's like not really explained. And it's, I felt like it was kind of jarring, kind of weird. One of the most egregious parts of the documentary is they'll have they'll have a talking head guy i don't know their name like john beaver pussy or something so john beaver pussy who's a librarian he'll show up in the dock and then underneath him it'll say john beaver pussy librarian and then they'll go to someone else like Lady Weatherby, and then Lady Weatherby will talk, her talking head, Lady Weatherby, assistant librarian. And then they'll go back to Mr. Beaver Pussy, and then they'll show his name and title again in the same episode. And they do that again and again and again. And you know... The counter I know the counter argument to that would be like man you're really pick you're really picking at this documentary over the minute stupid things when they're talking about heavy issues such as uh sexual abuse child abuse and you're talking about this stupid thing but I'm telling you it re- it was very annoying and it ruined the experience for me because when you're hearing someone talk and their subtitles it you kind of hear it better, you understand it better, it solidifies the experience. But when you're hearing someone talk, you're seeing them talk, and then you have to read their name and title over and over and over again. It's it's jarring, and it's annoying, it's very frustrating. And they do it for Mia Farrow and Dylan Farrow. It's like we're in episode three of a a documentary called Alan V. Farrell, I know this is Mia Farrell. You don't need to pop her name on the screen. You don't need to pop Dylan Farrell's name on the screen. I almost had to stop it. That's how annoying it was. And it's almost like a notification because when you're doing, like when I'm on the computer, I have my phone next to me. When there's a notification, my concentration, my focus, everything stops and I have to, my eyes have to look over at my phone and see what the notification is. And that's how I felt with these names. J- David v- Beaver Pussy, like, you just pop the name up once and let me focus in on what the, the message and the words that they're trying to say. I don't need to see their names 80 billion times. I just don't. And it sounds like a small thing, but it was incredibly annoying. And it, it, I, I started to expect it and dread it. And I'm like, oh, here's another talking ad. Here comes, here comes, here. Oh, it was, maybe it doesn't, didn't bother anyone else. It really bothered me. Um... So I I took notes. Here are the the rest of my notes. I'm almost done with my notes. So Ronan Farrow said that Woody Allen pressured him to speak publicly against his mom and Dylan. And if he did, Woody Allen would help him with financial assistance for college and help him with his influence. And then that kind of didn't make sense to me because I thought, well, isn't Mia Farrow a big star? Isn't she a big actress who has been in movies for decades? Doesn't she have money as well? That just struck me as a little as odd. Um, and then the the filmmakers accuse Woody Allen of controlling the narrative. They they repeated that a billion times. Woody Allen controls the narrative. He's powerful. He uses all of his money and big time lawyers and big time PR firms to control the narrative. And their response to that is to make this documentary that very much controls the narrative and that's a running theme with this doc that you know who knows what the truth is regarding Woody Allen and Sunni and Moses involvement involvement 
you know, like I read earlier, they said they reached out. They said they've been working with the Farrow family for years to investigate the story and make this documentary. And then they reached out to Woody Allen two months before releasing it. And then they're claiming, no, it was much, much longer. It was a lot, a lot of time. What am I trying to say? It was a lot earlier than that. And, um, so a lot of the response that this documentary is doing is they're exhibiting the same behavior that they are condemning, which I really didn't like. I didn't appreciate. They accuse Woody Allen of controlling the narrative. So this documentary is very much controlling the narrative. And they, they insert some things in a, in a, in an attempt to appear objective, but I don't think that was the case. This was very much biased in favor of the Pharaoh family. Um, you know, Moses does not appear in the doc. Moses claims that he suffered abuse at the hands of Mia Pharaoh. What do they insert in the doc? Immediately they say, um, well, they don't say explicitly that Moses is a liar, but they say that, well, all of the siblings contradict that what he's saying, that that to, to claim that Mia Farrow is an abusive mom or unfit mom is unfair and untrue. And then Sun, Sunni claimed that she suffered some abuse. And then immediately, Sunni's siblings contradicted her claims of abuse. So I don't know why we are all supposed to believe that Dylan Farrow was abused. But when Moses claims that he was abused, we are not supposed to believe him because all of the siblings team up and say that he's not telling the truth. And all of the siblings team up and say that Sunni is lying. Like, I, I, I don't get where the line is. Um, someone is telling the truth. Someone is lying. And how are we supposed to just point blank believe everything that Dylan Farrow is saying when they turn around and they say, oh, Moses, is he's not telling the truth. He's lying. Um, Sunni is lying. Um, she, she, you know, she was, she was not abused. Moses was not abused. So that was, I felt very conflicted with definitely throughout watching this documentary. Again, that's the, that's the end of my notes. I didn't like the documentary. Um, it was just a very frustrating watch. Obviously the subject matter is dark and heavy and it's a bummer all around. And it's frustrating because some people are telling the truth and some people are lying and this will never get resolved. Uh, Woody Allen is 86. He's an old man. And if we're all being honest, he's probably going to die uh, in the near future, you know, he'll be lucky if he reaches a hundred. So what, 14, 10 to 14 years at max. Um, it's a, that's kind of a dark thought, but that's true. And you know, what is the alternative? Uh, they find proof that he did abuse his daughter, Dylan Farrow, and then he goes to jail and then he'll live out the rest of his short old life in a jail or he'll commit suicide. Dylan Farrow has been living with this heavy stuff her whole life. And that's the thing. Like, it's not a matter of what I believe or what anyone or everyone believes. It's a matter of what 
I don't want to believe. I don't want to believe that Woody Allen is a child molester and, and sexual abuser. I don't want to believe that Mira, Mia Farrow concocted this story. I don't want to believe that Dylan Farrow is lying. I don't want to believe that Mia Farrow coached Dylan Farrow. I don't want to believe any of it. I mean, all of it, any option is a bummer. It's Any option is terrible. So it's it's just what what choice does the audience have not much choice it just it really sucks and at the end of the documentary like woody allen still vehemently denies any claims of child abuse um violence sexual abuse towards dylan i will say the it is extremely weird that Woody Allen, and I don't remember the ages or the timeline, but Woody Allen hooks up with Mia Farrow. They become boyfriend and girlfriend. And then one day, Woody Allen, an old man, begins a relationship with one of Mia Farrow's adopted daughters that that and that is fact that is not um challenged that's very weird and so you might think well if he's capable of that then he's capable of child sexual abuse i see i don't know I don't know if that's that, that that doesn't mean he's automatically guilty. Did he groom um Sunni? Let's just let's just say maybe, probably. Let's say he met her as a young girl. I don't know see I I I don't know how old she was when he met her. I don't know if he if she was like 9 or something. That's very 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 gross but still it's your girlfriend's adopted daughter i mean that's that's um that is seriously fucked up already but did he groom her did he meet a young girl and then you know stay her friend confidant until she turned adult and then the timeline is weird again because did they start when she was in high school? Or all that stuff is weird. Um, but does that mean he abused Dylan? I don't know. At the end, I don't know. I I guess. I guess it honestly kind of feels like he probably did it. He's he's an old weird man. And yes, obviously, even after everything I said, obviously he does have a obsession whatever with an old man being with a young girl. And then all of the evidence and then I can't I, I always think to myself, why would Mia Farrow lie? Why would Dylan lie? Like why would Woody lie? It's a vicious, endless circle. And like it's it's easy to go down like a rabbit hole of into the conspiracy theory, which there's it's pointless because it'll just bring more misery into everyone's lives. But let me introduce misery into your life by introducing one conspiracy theory that I thought of. So maybe when Dylan was young, Woody Allen, for whatever reason, really loved Dylan, like really focused his attention on her to the point where maybe it made her uncomfortable, maybe it didn't. But maybe some of the older siblings didn't like it 
for whatever reason. Maybe they were jealous, whatever. But maybe one or more of the other siblings told her to concoct this story to get rid of Woody Allen. Is Maybe they told her, like, hey, say this, say that, to get rid of Woody Allen. Maybe out of revenge, maybe out of jealousy, or maybe Dylan Farrell was truly uncomfortable and didn't like Woody Allen when she was young. And maybe one of the other kids wanted to help her and say, hey, if you want to get rid of Woody Allen, say this, say that, do this, do that. That's one circle of conspiracy theory that I thought of, which, again, there's there's no way to prove that. It's just speculation and it's just misery because there's no resolution. There's no way to prove it. It's just misery at the end of that rope. Um, it's just, it honestly is just a bummer. I, I, I feel like my, I feel my body getting hot and warm and sweaty thinking about it because it's, it's so frustrating. And I, I wish there was some concrete way to get the truth out of it all. And I don't know, maybe maybe Woody was like maybe he like loved Dylan too much inappropriately and then he had his chance when he could get her alone and then he did some inappropriate things and then someone saw it and maybe he was planning on grooming her into adulthood but he didn't get a chance because things turned around real quick and Dylan was like, no, here's what happened and this is the truth and she ruined Woody's plans. I, I don't know. I, I don't think we'll ever know. Um, Woody Allen, like, did he groom Sunni? Again, maybe, probably, but at the same time, she's an adult now and has been for a long time, and she's stuck with him, and they have two adopted children, I believe. And she, regardless of any grooming kind of factor, she is an adult now, and she can make her own decisions, and she's seems to be happy with him, so... I don't know. It's just a real bummer. And I hope you're feeling the bummer after listening to this episode. I think that's all I got. I just, you know, this was going to be part of my movie rundown. But I, I took so many notes and I had so many thoughts and feelings on it. I just wanted to get it out there, get it out of my head and onto an audio recording that no one will ever hear. But, oh well. Also, I made this a, a mini-sode slash bonus episode because this obviously has nothing to do with movies based on video games or comic books or any sort of geek dumb. Um, I mean, that being said, I, I wish peace for peace and love and calmness to everyone involved i know that doesn't mean anything coming from me a loser in his basement um but i just wish resolution and peace to everyone involved i don't see i i want to say i don't blame dylan i don't blame mia i don't blame woody but someone is lying you know And it's funny because at the end of the doc, they were like, they were listing all of the actors and actresses who were going against Woody Allen and how some people were, were like, I will never watch a Woody Allen, a new Woody Allen film as long as I live. But I had the opposite reaction, which might not look make me look good, but when they were showing footage and they were kind of praising 
the movies, like I want to see Manhattan. I've never seen it. I want to see Manhattan Murder Mystery. I want to see the 13 films that Mia Farrow was in. Um, I definitely want to see Hannah and her, and her Sisters, which is Joe DeRosa's favorite film of all time. I want to see Crimes and Misdemeanors. And, you know, they were showing footage of those women praising him for writing female female characters and i don't know if that still stands or if that's out the window now um it, it sucks it sucks so that's all i got um yeah that's all i got no quote unquote plugs on the bonus app i hope you are well take care of yourself Go pet your dog or your cat and hug them close. I wish... I love cats, man. I wish I had a cat. I have two dogs, and I love them dearly. One's named Kai and one is named Callie. And um, I had two boy cats who were actual brothers for... I don't know, 12 or plus years, Spike died, and then a few months later, or Spike died, and then I got um, Lola at the animal shelter. She was old. They were guessing she was 10 plus, 10, 10 years or older, and I got her, and I, um, Mickey died shortly after that, so I only had Lola. And then Lola died out shortly after that. And after Lola died, I realized I, I've i had cats since 2004. And then like in 2020, all of them were gone. And I want to get another cat. I want to get two more cats. I want to get, no, two's good. Two's good. But currently I don't have any cats. That's Edmund Agabau for cats. Thanks for listening. Stay odd and keep on playing.